You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. This Advent season, may all things death-dealing be burned up like chaff with fire that cannot be quenched. And may all things life-giving, may they be gathered up and cherished. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 447. Our title this week is Advent and Coming Justice, and our reading uh, this week is from the Gospel of Matthew. It is Matthew 3, 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey, and people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you, that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So our reading this week, it resonates with the context of Advent at this time of year. Advent is a time to commemorate not only the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem, but also the coming of a just, safe, compassionate world here, one where every person with all of our differences has space to feel at home. Our present world doesn't match that vision yet. In our world, some traits, some differences uh, and experiences, those, those are privileged. They're centered, while others are pushed to the margins. In this week's reading, John the Baptist was not speaking, remember, from the center of his community. He was speaking from the margins of the wilderness. Ched Myers, he speaks of a possible narrative meaning for this detail in his book, Say to This Mountain, Mark's Story of Discipleship. On page 12, uh, Myers writes, while the margin has a primarily negative political connotation as a place of disenfranchisement, Mark ascribes to it a primarily positive theological value. It is the place where the sovereignty of God is made manifest, where the story of liberation is renewed, and where God's intervention in history occurs. So, our most cherished 
and sacred Jesus story. It begins and even persists throughout the story on the margins, on the edges, or in the less centered social settings of Jesus's context. Not only was Judea, remember, a marginalized region of the Roman Empire, but the narrative placing of John's itinerant ministry outside of the synagogues is a hint that that it's a hint for readers or listeners that they should look to the margins for for change for good news uh, from this itinerant ministry of John's uh, to be further than uh, and Jesus's too to be located in Galilee and even more marginalized region uh, even within in relation to Judea which was already marginalized in relation to Rome uh, uh, within the Roman Empire it, it makes Jesus and John's ministry it's thrice located on the margins compared to the more centralized urban institutions of their society. Uh, From this narrative point, uh, we learn that restoration, we can glean from this point that restoration, liberation, and life-giving transformations uh, that move us toward a, a, a more just world those changes come from marginalized social locations in our society. As we've often said here, change comes from the bottom up or the outside in. To to put it in our language today, change begins with the grassroots. Another thing that strikes me about our our reading this week is John's no-nonsense offensively blunt comments to the Pharisees and Sadducees who showed up to see what he was up to. It was a call out, but but I want to steer clear of uh, Christian anti-Semitic interpretations here. John the Baptist was Jewish, remember. He was not trying to begin a new religion, nor was he rejecting his Judaism. John's movement was about the renewal, the the restoration and, and liberation of his fellow Jews, not about replacing them with a new people. John's attack here of, of Pharisees and Sadducees in this story was not as much religious as we understand it in our culture today. Uh, it was very much instead how we would define something as political. Remember, the Pharisees and Sadducees were powerful political parties in John's society that not only competed with one another for political power, but they were also complicit with Roman imperialism and and Rome's colonization of Judea, Galilee, and other small rural communities across the region. Both Jesus's and John's movements were rural movements, not urban movements. Only at the end of his life did Jesus uh, set his sights on Jerusalem and the economic injustices that were centered in the temple state there. But, But thus the wilderness location of John's ministry it was also, remember, it was associated with his practice of Judaism that rejected any complicity with the Roman Empire. And again, it was contrasted with those urban institutions, including Herod's family's reign in Judea and the temple seat that was centered in Jerusalem. So John the Baptist was part of a a, liber, a Jewish liberation and reformation movement. He, like others um, that were that were in existence at that time, they practiced immersion baptism as an act of repentance, atoning for 
past societal injustices and recommitting to righteousness, dedicating uh, oneself to a, a vision of of liberation and restoration again for for Jewish people. That era of restoration that they were looking forward to, they believed it would begin with a global, not just for Judea but for, and Galilee, but with a global end to all injustice, an end to all violence, and an end to all oppression. And I agree with scholars today who interpret Jesus as having begun as a disciple of John's. Within John's community, there is a spirit of looking forward to something that was about to change for the better. It was, again, centered in the margins, and it was looking for change. And and whereas John the Baptist said it was coming, Jesus came on the scene and uh, announced that it had arrived, or that it was near, or that it was already among us in our midst. Today, those of us engaging justice work we also, in a way, look forward to and are working toward an iteration of our world that is more in harmony with justice and inclusion. Justice workers who who also value the Jesus story, they sometimes refer to this change as, as God's just future or the basilea or the kingdom or beloved community. And there's a lot of other terms that are used. John the Baptist interprets this change as as the breaking in of God's work in our world, an intervention in which his followers were invited to participate. And today, we also understand that a more just future depends on our cooperation, our participation uh, with each other, and if you're a theist, with the divine. And as we wrap up another year here, as we're in the Advent season this year, what accomplishments do we have this year to be thankful for? And 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 not only looking backwards and being thankful, what lies ahead of us as we anticipate another year next year of working toward a world that is a safe and just home for everyone? This week's reading, it concludes with John's anticipated restoration and liberation being an era, once again, of reversal and upheaval, not just restoration. It was to be a time of opposites, where wheat was gathered and chaff was burned up. And I'm okay with this imagery if we apply it to uh, life-giving social elements. I actually like the idea of of gathering up life-giving things and forming a society out of them. I like the idea of, of death-dealing elements and systems being burned up in the purifying fire of love and compassion and and life and justice. And I can lean into that imagery, but I want to lean away from any interpretation of this passage that applies threshing, gathering, or burning to people. We can say no to injustice while not letting go of the humanity of those that are responsible for that injustice. We can obstruct them and their activity today while holding space for them 
to, to change if they should choose to tomorrow. We want to reclaim and hold on to our own humanity while not letting go at the same time of any, anyone else's. And I love the way Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, again, of, of Middle Collegiate Church, says in her book, Fierce Love, as a scholar who has studied religion and psychology, as an author of books on identity, development, and the power of stories, as a, a professor who teaches about leadership and anti-racist work, I understand why and how people and systems change. I know this to be true. The world doesn't get great unless we all get better. If there is such a thing as salvation, then we are not saved until everyone is saved. Our dignity and liberation are bound together. So during during this this season of Advent, we commemorate where justice and liberation and salvation has arrived in the past. And we we make time to, to look forward to where it may arrive again and how we can participate in that just future today. So in the spirit of, of Lewis's inclusive salvation for everyone, I'll close this week with a quote from, from Pam McAllister, who I love, who in, in explaining the work of Barbara Dent, she uh, shares this applicable wisdom. And this is, again, in, in the spirit of, of uh, reclaiming our own humanity, but also not letting go of the humanity of anyone else's. Uh, McAllister writes, Barbara wrote about the two hands of nonviolence. She wrote that nonviolence gives us two hands upon the oppressor. This visual metaphor is particularly helpful in describing the basic attitude underlying the nonviolent sensibility. With one hand, we say to an oppressor, stop what you are doing. I refuse to honor the role you are choosing to play. I refuse to obey you. I refuse to cooperate with your demands. I refuse to build the walls and the bombs. I refuse to pay for the guns. With this hand, I will even interfere with the wrong you are doing. I want to disrupt the easy pattern of your life. But then the advocate of nonviolence raises the other hand. It is raised outstretched, maybe with love and sympathy, maybe not, but always outstretched with the message that, as Barbara wrote, no, you are not the other, and no, I am not the other. No one is the other. With this hand, we say, I won't let go of you or cast you out of the human race. I have faith that you can make a better choice than you are making now, and I'll be here when you're ready. Like it or not, we are part of one another. The peculiar strength of nonviolence comes precisely from the dual nature of its approach, the two hands. So, in this just future that we are working for now. Um, this Advent season, may all things death-dealing be burned up like chaff with fire that cannot be quenched. And may all things life-giving, may they be gathered up and cherished. And, and may this future be one of salvation for each of us together. Heart group application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight and podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what does inclusive societal salvation look like for you? Share that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, 
just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your your chosen social media platforms for our daily post. And also, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please like and subscribe to this podcast through uh, whatever podcast platform that you use and consider taking some time to give us a positive review if that platform allows for that. This helps others find our podcast as well. And if you uh, would like to reach out to us through email, you can reach us at Renewed Heart Ministries or info at RenewedHeartMinistries.com. And remember my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at RenewedHeartMinistries.com. So right where you are, remember, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.